Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online as well. Uh, Hope you're having a good weekend. Uh, We are, uh, before we dive into uh, a new series that we're starting for a couple weeks, uh, after church... Uh, we're going to host a sports camp interest meeting. So if you're new to City Walk Church, uh, one of the things we do throughout the summer, and we started about two or three, I think this will be our third summer, uh, we decided, man, what would it be like to put on, instead of doing like a vacation Bible school, like at the church and wanting everybody to come to us, what would it be like if we did a free sports camp in a community, kind of a community park, and just invited the neighborhood and and spent, man, you know, put a lot of money into it, put a lot of time into it, but just told the, the community, this is free to you. And so we did that a few years ago, and many of you have been involved in that, and it has just been one of our favorite things. We have teams that come from other parts of the country to be a part of it. And so this summer, we decided, you know what, because, man, we don't have anything else to do, let's just put on two of them simultaneously, because why not? I mean, we're, we're a you know, four-year-old church. Why not try that? So we're going to be putting on two sports camps simultaneously. One's going to be in Edgewater, and one is going to be at Sam Brennan Park here in Yuba City. And so, man, we're excited about it. And many of you have already gotten involved in that. And so right after the church, about 10 minutes after, right in this room, we're going to have a, a short kind of interest meeting to just tell people, hey, here's what sports camp's going to be about. Here's the different areas that you can serve in, and, and, and you'll be able to kind of find out. Because you might be thinking, you know what, I, I can probably serve one day, or there's a few hours I can give. Or maybe you're like, no, that's a good week for me. I can be involved all week. Whatever you can do, it's going to take all of us to do this. And let me tell you this, you, you, you go to sports camp and you be there on Friday and you watch 30, 40, 50 children make a decision to follow Jesus, it's pretty awesome. And the stories that come out of it are just sweet. And so, man, I want to invite you, whether you've ever thought about being involved in it, man, we need all kind of different people to be involved in a lot of different areas And it's one of the ways that we say to our community, hey, we are for you and we love you. And so, man, stay after, 10 minutes after, right in this room, and we'll tell you a little bit more about it. So so a few months ago, and I I mentioned this to you a few months ago, uh, the Ely family and and us were given a a couple days at the Great Wolf Lodge. And I told you guys about it a little bit. If you were here the week after, I told you about a water slide that I rode that was a little terrifying. Uh, but but we, we were given a couple days from a church planning network, and so we went to this event. And if you've ever been to the Great Wolf Lodge, the, the one closest to us, you know that, man, in order to get to the water park, which is huge inside, you, you pass a, an ice cream shop, uh, you pass like a Dunkin' Donuts, and all this is indoor. 
And then you, you get to the water park, but also right before you get to the water park, if you look up, there's a high ropes course. And so for the first day that we were there, when we were there a few months ago, man, I, I kind of had my eye on that high ropes course. And uh, by day two, Logan Ely and I decided, you know what, let's, let's do it. Let's do the high ropes course. And so, and that's a really good decision when you're on the ground. That's an easy decision when you're on the ground. And then you go and they, and if you've ever done a high ropes course, you know this, they, they put a harness on you that was not made for comfort on any level, uh, but you need it to not be comfortable because you don't want to die. So they, they put a harness on you, they, you, you get a helmet, they do a little bit of training with you and they kind of hook you in and then they basically like go. And here's the thing about the high ropes course. And if you've ever done one, whether it was the one there or not, the obstacles aren't really that hard if they were on the ground. Like if these were obstacles just at a park that you walk through kind of a foot off the ground, this would be cake. But the, because you're 30, 40 feet in the air and you're kind of hanging by a, a, some kind of rope and just hoping you don't die, those easy obstacles are a little tougher. And so, man, but I was doing it with the middle school boy, so I wasn't about to pretend that I was scared at all. And I, and I, I started doing this, and, and here's what happens. And, and you've maybe had this happen to you. As I'm going through and I'm starting out a little nervous and shaky, after a little while, something happens. You start to realize that, you know what? I'm not going to die, which is a good thing. So you, you kind of realize that. You, you start to get a little bit more comfortable with the rope and the harness. You start to learn a little bit more about the obstacles and kind of how to maneuver them. And before you know it, you're, you're doing good. You've, you've gained a lot of knowledge and you're confident in doing this thing and, and you go about it and it's, and it's no big deal. But at first, when you don't know anything and you're just looking at these obstacles and you finally get 30 feet in the air and they're like, okay, take the first step, it's a little nerve wracking. But once you have some more knowledge, once you've learned a little bit, it helps a lot. And, and you've experienced this, whether it was on a high ropes course or another area of your life, you've experienced this. And here's what I mean. You've experienced the reality that confidence is a result of knowledge. You've experienced that, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, in different areas of your life. If, if you're a mom and dad, you've experienced probably that moment where something in your house broke and it threw you for a loop because you had no clue how to fix it. And at first it was overwhelming to you. But then your middle school son or daughter says, hey, dad, why don't you look that up on YouTube? And you literally pull up a three-minute video, and by the end of your three-minute video, you went from being overwhelmed and how are we going to do this to like, oh, we got this. For me, I used to pay people, and this, you probably laugh at me, I used to pay people to like, oh, we got to break light out, got to, you know, headlight out, got to go pay somebody crazy money to fix that. And then I watched a YouTube video and I thought, you know what? I literally have been paying somebody to take something and go click, unhook, hook, and click back in. Like, I can do that. And what would have been overwhelming to me, and after I learned a little bit, I'm like, oh my goodness, that was a lot easier than I expected because confidence, and you've experienced this, is a result of knowledge. Confidence, it seems to follow knowledge in most of the important areas of our life, including our relationship with God. 
And maybe for you, you've experienced this. Maybe you find yourself a little skeptical of the whole Jesus thing. Maybe you find yourself, I'm not sure I want to go all in with God. And you would, you would admit, you know what? Uh, I know a little bit about God, but I've not really dove in. And so because I don't know a lot about him and I, I only hear things and everything I know, it's from somebody else telling me instead of me really digging in. Man, you find yourself maybe not as confident in God as if you really had dug in and knew it for yourself. And there's this, this guy in the Bible that you've heard about. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard about this guy. It's the guy named David. And David is a guy that understood very well how knowing God led to trusting God and, and giving it because he, what he knew about God, it allowed him to, to trust God and do some pretty crazy things. He lived a pretty courageous life, and it was a lot of his courage and his trust in God came from the fact that he knew God, and he spent a lot of his time getting to know God, and he wasn't a perfect guy. And one of the places that he kind of writes a really personal, almost like a prayer to God, is Psalms 139. And in Psalms 139, David writes this very personal, very raw prayer to God. And in this prayer, he talks about what he knows about God and how what he knows about God leads to courage, leads to trust. And so if you have your Bible or you'll see it up on the screen, let's, let's look at Psalms 139 and let's look at some of the things that David knew about God that led to him trusting God so deeply. Psalms 139 verse 1, it says this, Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. God, you've been personally involved. You know me. Verse 2, he says, you know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. God, you, you know what I do. You, you know my actions. You know my outs, like the things I do on the outside. But you also, God, you know the inside of me. You know and understand what I don't even understand about me. You know my motives. You understand why I do things. You, you know me. Verse 3 says, you observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. And this, this idea of all my ways, you're aware of all my little daily habits. You're aware of my behaviors. You, you know everything. He says this in verse 4. Before a word is on my tongue, before I even say it, you know all about it. You, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me or barricaded me. You have placed me or you have placed your hand on me. And so he says, he says, God, you, you know me. Like, like you know my thoughts. You know my behaviors. You know the, the things I'm, I'm going to say before they even come out of my mouth. You know them. God, you, and, and he says, you've encircled me. You've placed your hand on me. It's almost as if God's put you in his hand and he's, he's cupped his hands around you. He's protecting you. He says, God, you, you know me so well and you are a protector of me. And, and think about who David is. Even if you didn't grow up in church, probably the things you know about David 
are, are things that are pretty amazing. Like he killed Goliath. That's a pretty big thing. He killed this giant when he was a teenager. He killed a lion. He killed a bear. He was a warrior, one of the great warriors of his nation's history. He was a king. I mean, he did a lot of it. This isn't a guy that laid on the couch and played video games all his life. He, this isn't a guy that laid under the covers afraid of what was, might be out there to get him. No, this is a guy that, that was a courageous guy that stepped out when everybody else was scared. And the reason he did that was because he knew that God was omniscient or he was all-knowing that God knew him so intimately. He knew his thoughts. He knew his words. He knew his daily habits. He knew where he was going to go before David knew where he was going to go. And he was there to protect or barricade him. Because David knew that about God, it gave him great trust in God. Gave him great courage in God. And then he goes on and he, he continues to talk. He, he talks first about how God knows him so well, so intimately. And, and then he goes on and he, he continues to just talk about things that he knows about God. He says this in verse 6. He says, this wondrous knowledge, this all-knowingness that you have, it's, it's beyond me. It is lofty. I'm unable to reach it. He says, I, I can't like put you in a box, God. I can't comprehend this, this idea that you know everything. This idea that you, you, you know everything before it even happens. He, he says, man, this is just too big for me. It's too lofty for me to understand. But then he says this in, in, verse, in verse 7. He says, God, where can I go? To escape your spirit. Where can I flee from your presence? He basically says, man, if I wanted to get away from you, God, and I have tried, I couldn't. Not only are you this all-knowing God, but you're everywhere. I, if I wanted to get away from you, and there were times in David's life that he wasn't necessarily wanting to be close to God. He wasn't wanting God to be close to him. He, he, if he could have, he would have gotten away from God. But he says, I, I can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere you're not. He says, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If, if I make my bed in Sheol or like the realm of the dead, you're there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. Like God would have been an awful person to play hide and seek with. Because he's like, man, I I'll go like as far as is possible. And you're there when I get there. And I try to hide in the best hiding place I know. And you're there waiting for me when I get there. I, I, I've tried to go. I, I, no matter what, God, I, I can't get away from you. And, and David says, he says, I, I know this about you. I know that you're omnipresent or you are all present. And, and for David, again, this, this idea of what he knew about God, man, really helped him trust God. And, and you know this, and I've said this before, but man, it's really hard to trust somebody you don't know. In any relationship, in any relationship that you're in, if you don't really know the person, it, your trust only goes really as far as your knowledge of them goes. 
And in the same way with God, David knew God intimately. By this time in his life, he had experienced some huge ups and some downs. He had watched God come through. He, he had seen God be with him when he was hiding, running for his life. He had seen God be with him when he had sinned so terribly, but yet God was still with him. He knew this about God, and it allowed him to trust God at a level that, man, most of us probably have never got to. But he, but he goes on, and I, I love this. I shared this with some of our bridge builders earlier this morning. He says this, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are a light to you. I, I asked this question earlier to some people that were kind of at the beginning of the morning when we were getting together with some of the team, I said, how many of you, and, and you don't have to raise your hand because you might, this might embarrass you, but how many of you remember being really afraid of the dark? And some of you are like, I still do have a little nightlight that I keep, you know, kind of, you know I'm not, not a big fan of the dark. And, 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 and the reason that we don't like the dark is because there's an unknown. There's, we don't know what's out there. And the darkness brings about it some unknown and some uncertainty. And so we don't like the dark. It's not, I mean, when we're sleeping, we might like it because we're trying to go to sleep. But, but it, the darkness isn't something that we're usually a big fan of because we don't know. Is there like a, something I'm going to hit my toe on? Is there something that's going to bite me? Is there, you know, there, there's just different stuff that because we don't know about it, darkness, we're not huge fans of it. And, and David, what he's saying is, God, for you, there's no darkness, the darkness is light to you. There's never a time, God, that there's an unknown or, hey, I don't know what's out there. He, he says, to, to you, God, the darkness is light. Amid what is darkness to me, God, you see clearly. You are with me. You're never confused. You care and you're in control even when it's dark to me. And he knew this about God. Do you know that about God? Have you ever been in a time in your life, and I already know the answer, yes, because we all have, where it's just been really dark, and it's been a darkness that was confusing to you, it was in a, a darkness that was uncertain, you didn't understand why you were even in it, you didn't know God, why God would put you in this darkness, why this would happen in your life, why God would take this person from you at that age, and why that person would betray you the way they did. And, and there's just a darkness that's around you that, man, you, you can't, it's, it's like you're in a spot where you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And it's like, God, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. The darkness seems so strong around me. And, and David, here's what he knew about God. God, to you, there's never darkness. The darkness and the light are the same to you in the midst of my confusion, in the midst of what I'm so struggling with, in the midst of my legitimate questions. God, you see clearly. You're not confused. You're in control, and you care about me even in the midst of what's dark to me. And David knew this about God. And, and if you read David's story, there were some very dark moments. Some of them were caused by his own decisions, and some of them were caused by decisions of other people. But in the midst of this darkness, David knew that God was light. 
But then he goes on and he says this. He says, for it was you, you God, it was you who created my inward parts. You knit or you formed me together in my mother's womb. God, you were with me before I was even born. But before I was born, you were with me. You literally carefully put me together in my mother's womb. And this, this idea prompted David in the next verse. He says, he says in verse 14, I will praise you. I'm, I'm overwhelmed by this idea, God. I, I know this about you and it overwhelms you or overwhelms me. He says, I will praise you because I, am, I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. He says, God, you, you knit me together. And then he goes on, and he, he gives a little bit more detail to this, and he, he says this. He says, God, my bones were not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, so when I was in my mother's womb, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, I was important to you. And you had a plan for me. Man, when I was an embryo, I wasn't even formed yet. But yet you loved me. You cared. And you literally had my days planned out. When I wasn't even formed. See, this was written by David several thousand years ago, but is so relevant to us today. And, and here's why it's relevant. Because what David's saying to us should, should tell you that you are important to God. And you didn't, you didn't become important to God when you started doing stuff for God. You were important to God before you were even born. You were important to God when your bones were being put together. You, God cared deeply about you from before you were even born. And that should encourage you. For me, this, is, this passage right here is one of the reasons that I value life so much. It's not because I line up with some political party. In fact, both, in most cases, both political parties, they're a mess and they... Kind of, I'm fed up with both of them, but I, I hope you don't get your beliefs from a news station or a political candidate. I hope that what you believe, whether you say, man, I, I kind of fit more on the right or I kind of fit more on the left, I hope that where you get what you believe and what you stand for has nothing to do with what a, a party tells you to believe or what a news show tells you what to believe, but that you have searched the scriptures and that you allow God to tell you what you should believe. And David, as he's writing, he's writing just about Man, God before, and, and think about this. Think about how much courage you would have if you really believed that God cared about you before you were born and he literally had your days planned. That, that you weren't going to die one day earlier, one day later, that God had it already planned out. How much freedom 
You would have and I would have if we really believed God how much trust we would have. David was a guy that lived a courageous life because of what he believed about God. It allowed him to trust God at a level that most people don't. He says this in verse 17. He goes on and he says, God, how precious are your thoughts. Your thoughts are so precious to me. How vast their sum If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. He's like, God, your thoughts are, they're just, they're special. They're innumerable. I can't put my hands around them. And then he changes. He goes from like talking about babies and all this stuff to like, he goes and he gets a little crazy here towards the end. And he goes like a little, little, if you read David's writing, sometimes he's like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. And then other times he's like, kill them, God. Butcher them, God. They hate you. So he kind of makes one of those transitions here. And he says this, and you got to understand David a little bit. And as much as we can several thousand years after he was alive, David's a pretty passionate guy. And he's a pretty loyal guy, it seems like. So if you're a friend of David and somebody's got an issue with you, David's got an issue with you. And so understand that as we read what he says here. He says, God, if only you would kill the wicked. Okay, David. Talk, goes from talking to, you know, about babies and, oh, you formed me and so fearfully and wonderfully made to, God, if you just go ahead and kill the wicked, you, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who evoke who invoke you deceitfully, your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, I, don't I hate... And this, this word hate is this idea of, for David, it's, it's this idea of rejecting. Lord, these people that don't like you, that are against me, man, I, I reject them. I'm not going to associate with them. He says, Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? And he's like, man, if you didn't understand on the first time I said it, God, let me say it again. I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. See, for David, David's love and his passion and trust in God led him to be deeply bothered by people who stood against God. So as as David, and again, David is not a perfect guy. David made, I mean, there's not a person in the Bible that had higher highs and lower lows than David. I mean, David had some of the highest highs in the whole Bible, like some of the greatest moments, but he had some of the most tragic moments, some just ugly, terrible stuff, and it was a lot because of his own decisions. But as he is, he's he's writing this, and again, he's not writing this to me and you, he's writing this to God. So understand, as as we're reading this, we're literally reading his journal, we're reading his prayer to God. And he's saying, God, I just, just, it bothers me when people reject you, when people lie about you. I I hate things that you hate, God. And he's he's just a deeply passionate guy being extremely raw and open in his prayer to God. And he knows he can do that because he knows things about God that give him that ability to trust God and be honest with God. 
But, but then what he does is he closes this section. He kind of closes this prayer by asking God to do something. And, and he says a few things that, honestly, you wouldn't say if you didn't trust someone. He closes this prayer and he asks God, and we're going to read it. He asks God to do something. And you would never ask God to do this if you didn't trust God deeply. And, and David did. And so here's what he says to God as he closes this prayer. He's kind of signing off maybe at the end of the night in his journal. He says this, God, search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. He says, test or refine me and know my concerns. He says, God, I, I don't want to hide. I don't want to, and this is kind of how we do it a lot of times. It's like, God, you can come in the house, but there's a couple rooms that I'd just rather you stay out of. And basically what David's saying is, God, every room's open to you. You can look under any, anything. You can open any door. God, I want you to search me. I want you to test me. I want you to know not just what I say, but I want you to know my heart. I want you to really know me and my concerns. I want you to know my thoughts, my actions. I want you to evaluate every motive of my heart. I want you to search me. And then he says this, and God, as you search me, see if there's any offensive way. God, if there's anything wicked or hurtful in me, lead me in the everlasting way. God, I, I want to walk your way. And so in order to walk your way, I need you to search me deeply and I need you to point out to me anything that offends you because I want to I walk and do things your way because your way is best. And I, can, I trust that because of what I know about you. See, when we read a passage like 139, Psalms 139, we read a passage like this, and when you think about David and you read through passages like this, do you relate with David? Or do you find yourself kind of putting David and other people in the Scriptures kind of at a different category that's not maybe attainable to us. So we read through these scriptures. It's like, wow, that's powerful. But we kind of put David on another place, another category, and we don't make personal application. Like, can you relate with what David's saying? Can you lean into it for you? Just like David was saying it from his heart. See, here's the question that, that's at least worth asking. So when you read about a guy like David and you hear about his, how his knowledge of God and you hear about his trust and then you read through his life and you watch what he did because he trusted God, the, the question that's an honest question is this, man, is it possible for you and I to know and trust God the way David did? Like, is that just for like Old Testament time or like the pages of scripture? Or is it possible that in 2023 that you and I can know God as intimately and deeply as David did and trust God as much as David did? Is that possible? And the answer honestly may surprise you. The answer is yes, but here's the part that may surprise you. 
I would venture to say that there's actually a possibility that you could know God at a greater level than David did. So yeah, you, you and I could know, Dave, know, know God and trust him the way David did, but, but there's a real potential that you and I could actually know God at a different level than David did. And so we could trust him even deeper than David did, and here's why. Because you and I, we have a few things David didn't have. We have the scriptures. You know what David had? He had some Old Testament scrolls. He had some of the Old Testament. Jesus hadn't lived yet in David's time. And so everything David knew about Jesus was in the future. But, but he didn't. But you and I, we have the life of Jesus on the pages of scripture. We, we have scripture that David didn't have. We can learn about God from scripture in ways that David only dreamed of. But not only that, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit God, of God not just around you like David did. David had the Holy Spirit of God around him, and he, the Holy Spirit of God would empower him to do things. You have the Holy Spirit of God inside you if you're a follower of Jesus. And David didn't. That didn't happen until after Jesus rose from the grave. The Holy Spirit was active in his life, but you, if you're a follower of Jesus, literally have God's Spirit inside of you, and it never leaves you. So you and I have this ability, potentially, to, to know God at a level and more intimately than David, even on the pages of Scripture as we read about him today. But, but here's the thing, and you know this, just because Knowing God and trusting God and the changes in our life that come because of that, just because that's available to us, it doesn't make it automatic. Because people have had the Spirit of God living in them for about 2,000 years. And you've probably had access to this book probably your whole life. Like it's been close to you somewhere. You could have went to a bookstore at any time in your life and bought one. You probably had a, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you probably had a copy of this laying around somewhere at the house. But, but just because the potential of knowing God deeper and trusting him more is there, it, it doesn't happen automatically. So a good first step. If, and, and here's the two questions I want to throw at you. And just answer honestly, because I'm not going to see your heart, so don't lie. So just be honest. Be honest. It, it just, it'll help you if you just be honest. So be honest, even if it doesn't feel like you should be honest on this. So here, here's the first question. Do you want to know God better? Again, just be honest. No, don't make up a, oh yeah, of course, because I'm in church, I should say that. No, uh, deep in your heart, do you really want to know God better? That's the first question. And then the second question that follows it is this. Do you want to trust God more than you do now? Do you want to trust God more? And again, if, if your answer is like, no, not really, dude, I'm good. That's okay. Just answer that. Just be honest. But if there's something inside of you that says, you know what? Man, I would like to know God better. And yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in my life. And man, to, to have a deeper trust in God. And man, that, man I, would, I would really like that. If that's you. I mean, if you, if you answered honestly. And if, if you would want to know God better. And you would want to trust him more. 
a good first step is praying the same courageous prayer that David did. And here's the prayer. Search me. Search me, God. And know my heart. Test me. Refine me, God. Really get to know what's going on inside me. And know my concerns. Know what's going on in my mind, God. I want you to turn over every rock. I want you to open every door. Every door's open to you. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing I'm hiding from you anymore, God. You can open any door, any cupboard. Know me. Know me. And God, see. And it's like, God, bottom line, there's going to be some wicked stuff in there. So I just need to let you know ahead of time, God. When you open all those doors, and I want you to open them because... You know what? I trust you. I, I trust you. So, so see if there's some offensive ways. See if there's anything in me that, that offends you or hurts other people. God, if there's anything I'm doing that's hurting somebody else or that's a, a offending you, God, I, I want you to really see that because I want you to lead me in an everlasting way. I want you to lead me in your way. And so, God, in order for you to do that, I need you to turn over every rock. I need you to open every door. I need you to get into the mess of my life. And, God, I I need your help in these areas. I'm not going to hide anymore. I mean, are are you willing? Whether you're watching online, whether you're here this morning, whether you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're investigating faith, is this a prayer that you're honestly willing to pray to God today? Answer that just in your heart. Just answer that question. Is this a prayer that you could pray and really mean today? And if not, what's stopping you from praying this and really meaning it? And I would encourage you, pay attention to your answer Because the answer is very likely the reason you struggle to trust God. So whatever would hold you back from honestly praying this to God, pay attention to that because that's probably the catalyst to why you struggle. And there's probably more to it than that, but that's a big part of why you probably struggle. If it's like, you know what? A couple doors in my life, I am not really wanting God to go in that door. Okay, just, just, okay, that's okay. But just know that's probably why you're going to struggle to trust God. Oh, no, there's some relationships or there's this or that. And you know what? I, I, I can pray part of this to God, but I, I can't really honestly pray this to God because there's a few things I'm just not ready to, to turn over to him. Okay, but just know that you're not going to know God at a level that, that, that you could, and you're not going to be able to walk through your life trusting him the way he wants you to. And here's what he wants from you. He wants you to say, God, you can go in any door. You can go around any corner. You can open any drawer. Because here's what I know about you, God. You love me dearly. I am important to you. You are for me. And so I trust you. So search me. We can know God. And we can trust God. And here's what God's doing. There's a verse in the scriptures that people take out of context regularly. And it's in in Revelation. And it's the verse that says that God, that Jesus stands at the door. And he knocks. 
And he's waiting for you to open the door. What people usually use that verse for is salvation. It doesn't have anything to do with salvation. It has to do with fellowship. And, and that's what God's doing. If you're a follower of him, here's what Jesus is doing. I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. I don't have a whip in my hand. I don't have a gun in my hand. I'm not going to come in. I don't have like the news team with me to come kind of make a big deal of all your junk. No, I'm, you know what I want to do when I get in there? Read the verse. I want to have a meal together. I want a fellowship. I want to be friends with you. I want a relationship with you. That's why I'm standing at the door knocking, not because I want to shame you. I'm not standing because I know the things behind the doors you don't want me to go into are hurting you deeply. I love you too much to not stand here and knock. And so I'm knocking. Just let me in. Let's have a meal. Just trust me. Let's pray. As we close, every head bowed and every eye closed. And maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning. And, and I mentioned this statement kind of earlier. And, and just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just out of respect for everybody, I said this statement. The statement is this it's hard to trust someone you don't know. And, and as you think about that statement, does that statement. Kind of, is that a picture of maybe the description of your relationship with God? Like, yeah, you, you don't trust God a lot. Yeah, there's, there's doors in your house that you ain't really wanting God to go in. Because you don't trust him. And, and so, you, because you don't know him. And so, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just think about it for yourself. Like, what's stopping you from getting to know God better? Maybe for you, it's just, man, it's just time. Like you just, if you're honest, you're just like, I just haven't made it a priority. It's just time. I haven't spent time with God. I haven't made time in my schedule to just get to know God. For you, it might be just time. Maybe it is sin. Maybe you're like, there's just some things in my life that I know God's not happy with. I know it doesn't please him. I know it's not his way. And so, yeah, it's affecting how I know God because I just don't want to spend time with God. Because I know some things I'm doing are offending him. I know they're not his best for me. I don't know what it is for you that's stopping you from knowing God at a deeper level. But, but my question would be, would, would you just be willing to take a step? This week, just take a step. All right, I'm going to make time for you, God. Or God, you know what? A couple doors that I've had a lock on. And I, I, the reason I've had a lock on them, God, is honestly because I just felt like if I opened it, you would just make me feel so shameful. And, and God, for me, I'm just, just going to take the lock off. I'm going to let you in because I trust you. What, what are you what's it going to take this week to, to know God better so you can trust him more? Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, I, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I uh, Maybe even a little skeptical of the whole Jesus thing. Maybe you've been hurt by the church and you're just kind of investigating church again, kind of coming back. 
And for you, man, God wants you to know that, man, he loves you. He loved you before you were even born. And he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to come to earth, to die on a cross, not to pay for his own sin, not to pay for the, the stuff that, that, that he was doing that didn't please God because he was perfect. But he came and died and rose from the grave so that God could show you in the, the biggest way possible that he loves you. Jesus died for you. He died for me. And, and because Jesus did that, now we have an opportunity to have a relationship with God. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're here or online or maybe listening to it on a podcast, like if you don't have a relationship with God, you, you can start one. You say, Chris, what would I do? Just talk to God from your heart to God. Just from your heart to God. Tell God, God, I admit to you that I have disobeyed you. I've done things my own way. God, I, I admit that. Just tell him, just in your heart. And then just tell God, God, I believe that Jesus, your son, died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. I believe that. And then just, just tell God, God, I want you to come into my life. I want you to transform me. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want a relationship with you. Just tell God. If you're here or you're watching online and and today you made that decision to follow Jesus. You made that decision to start a relationship with God. Then, man, we would love to know about that. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a decision card you can fill out. We'll get it emailed to us. And if you're here with us this morning, there's a decision card right in front of you that during the last song that you can uh, fill out drop it in the offering basket on your way out and we'll just we'll call you if you have questions we want to answer those just want to help you in your new relationship with God as the band gets ready to sing Pastor Matt is down front maybe today you're like you know what I just I want to talk with someone or I want to pray with someone there's some things I'm dealing with that I just need some help with you can do that right in your seat, just between you and God, but Pastor Matt's down front and would love to connect with you, pray with you, and just, just listen as well. Lord, I thank you for what David wrote that we get access to. And Lord, we're so thankful that we can know you. You're not a distant God. You're a God that knows us and knew us before we were born. You loved us before we ever did anything. And God, because of that, we want to trust you. We want to do things your way. So work in our hearts, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.